Frankie Velez, number 95, his first field goal attempt ever at Florida. Play action again. Mettenberger, a lot of time. Pressure finally comes from the backside. Here's Beckham to the 23-yard line. They give it to the fullback. Helmet comes off. Did he cross the plane? He yes, did. he did. And he is now playing back from Jarvis Landry. Here's Mettenberger. Wow. Odell Beckham Jennings is again in at quarterback. Quarterback sneak. And Jennings from 27 yards out. And he kicks his second field goal ever for the Gators. Christy fake. Goes left. Got him. Too far to kick a field goal. Murphy hit from behind. That is a fumble. Scramble. It's a moot point, really. The ball was going to go over at any rate. I am Patrick Schmidt, elite editor and writer for DeathValleyVoice.com, the LSU blog on the Fan Sided Network. And those were the highlights from uh, at CBS uh, of the LSU Tigers. 17 6 win over the Florida Gators as LSU improved to 6 1 on the season, 3 1 in the SEC. Not a whole lot of offensive fireworks. But for the first time all season, this LSU defense looked like the LSU defense we have come to know and love over the past decade or so. So uh, we're going to talk all things LSU, a recap the LSU win over Florida, and preview LSU taking on Ole Miss in Oxford this Saturday with my co-host Jack Jorgensen, the lead college football editor for Fansided.com as we bring up Jack now. Jack, how are you doing today? Good. How are we doing, Pat? Doing pretty good. Hey, LSU improved to six and one on the season, seventeen and seventeen to six over Florida. Now, my first impressions, you know, watching this game was just how you know one how dominant that LSU offensive line played. You know, from the you know left guard to right tackle and everywhere in between, this LSU offensive line, you know, really came to play and dominated this this great Florida defensive line. And then number two was how well the LSU defensive line played and how well the defense played as a whole. We've seen LSU, you know, win shootouts, you know, scoring 50 points, it seems, at will this season, a you know, a top-10 national offense. Um, but, you know, for the first time, we saw this defense win. So what was your initial impressions from this LSU win over the Gators from Tiger Stadium on Saturday? That was a, that was a dominating statement. I mean, just, just to remind everyone, even if – because I still think they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after the Georgia loss, and they're going to carry that throughout the season with them. But I think that they wanted to make a statement, and they made a statement against Florida. And, you know, injuries aside for Florida, I mean, they – and it kind of like we um, alluded to last week about them having Tyler Murphy confused, 15 to 27, 115 yards, quarterback rating of 20, no touchdowns. I mean, they, they had him befuddled, and there was basically no Florida passing game whatsoever. Leading receiver was Solomon Patton in three catches, 32 yards. I mean, that when you shut a team down to that, and even Trey Burton, three catches, 28 yards, when you shut an offense down like Florida's to that, that is one of the most dominating performances of the year. And I understand, I even made a joke myself about how boring the game was. I mean, I didn't watch it live, but I alluded to how boring it was. But all jokes aside, I mean, that's a dominating performance by LSU on the defensive side of the ball. And they're only going to keep. They're only going to keep getting better. But probably for the first time this whole season, on the defensive side of the ball, they were able to put everything together at one time. There, there, there really wasn't any holes on that LSU defense. Like the, every, everything just seemed to click. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, this is an encouraging sign. You know, the people that I've spoken with, you know, that, that are commenting on the articles on Death Valley Voice or, or contacting me on Twitter at Patrick A. Schmidt, they're saying, oh, boy, this LSU defense, you know, what's going on here? What's wrong with John Chavis? What's going on with this defense? What's going on with the secondary, especially after their shortcomings against Georgia? I said, hey, you know, this shouldn't be too surprising because of the eight or nine guys that left from this unit that are now playing on Sundays in the NFL. And you know, we're talking some great players like Barkevius Mingo and, and Eric Reed. You know, in particular, we've seen you know, how well they're doing so far in their rookie years in the NFL, not to mention Teron Matthew. But, you know, I've said this LSU defense, you know, they're going to be playing their best football in the final month of the season, which is perfect when you look at the schedule with A&M and Alabama and then, you know, potentially an SEC title game and, you know, bowl game you know, at the end of the season. But there's going to be some growing pains. Maybe we've seen all the lumps and all the growing pains that we're going to see from this LSU defense. Is it a perfect unit? Is it one without flaws? No, it's really not. You would still like to see, you know, some better play at all three levels, but, you look at that defensive line, you know, first off and foremost for me, they were able to get to the get to Tyler Murphy. And, you know, Jack, you and I, we both talked about Tyler Murphy on last week's Death Valley Voice podcast saying, you know, he, he's looked okay in his first three games, you know, two starts and then coming on in the Tennessee game when Jeff Driscoll was hurt. You know, he looked okay, but his toughest road environment was Kentucky. Now, Kentucky versus Death Valley. I mean, come on, that's like you're talking about a, a, a high school game versus, you know, one of the best college football environments in all of the world. So he, uh, you know, he did exactly what I think we all thought he would do. Just 115 yards, 15 to 27 passing. But like you said, Solomon Patton, the leading receiver with three catches for 32 yards. You know, that was that was a complete dominating effort. And then the two running backs, Mac Brown and Calvin Taylor, pretty much, you know, held to their season averages right around there at 56 and 52 yards. Obviously, Calvin Taylor replacing Matt Jones, who had been about a, you know, a 50-yard or so per game back. But, uh, you know, what is really encouraging for LSU, Jack, is that, you know, we've seen LSU be able to win offensive shootouts. You know, we've seen – or even, you know, compete against Georgia, you know, where they could score 40, 45, 50 points. And now we've seen LSU play outstanding on defense. But the offense, you know, wasn't really there. But I think that's encouraging. You know, I wouldn't be too disappointed with Zach Battenberger, only 152 yards, but – what it shows no, to me I, is that they could play a complete game and they could win in any style. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, because you know what, Pat, I was just going to bring up? Because this is really going to be the first week that you and I aren't going to gush over Jar- Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. Landry, four catches, 58 yards. Beckham, two catches, 47 yards. So then you're putting your defense in a position saying, we have to take over this game like they did. I mean, Jeremy Hill, 121 yards on the ground, but still – when you have Landry and Beckham having games like those, just four catches for Landry, two for Beckham, you need your defense to step up like that. And that was a tremendous sign for LSU that their defense was able to take that load on. And, and a credit to Jeremy Hill as well, running the ball. like he, he took over the brunt of the offense. But still, I mean, you need your defense. If your passing game, especially one like LSU, is going to be shut down like that, which they might be, say, against an Alabama that your defense is going to say, okay, we have to do some extra work today, and that's what they did against Florida. Yeah, they, they, they did their job. It, it was kind of, I heard this analogy. I, I can't remember which writer said it, so I can't really attribute it to him. But uh, you know, this isn't my, my wording, but you know, I, I said you know, 
the LSU gameplay, and so, some people were, were upset or maybe disappointed. I thought LSU would score about 30 points, and that's you know against the best defense in the country and, and statistically you know the best defense in the SEC you know, in pretty much every single category. But it's kind of like you know the baseball analogy when, when you're a starting pitcher and you don't have your best fastball, you don't really have a good feel for your curveball, you're not getting your secondary and third pitches over for, for strikes. But you, know, you, you kind of manage to win without your best – stuff on that day you know you go six in the third you know giving up two or three runs but you manage the game and you get out of there with the win and that's exactly what Les Miles and Cam Cameron did I think Les said yeah you know we tried it you know a couple big passes early in the game it just wasn't clicking but you know they were able to salt away and wear down that Florida defense Jeremy Hill I I, I gotta tell you you know coming into the season you know Todd Gurley TJ Yeldon we're getting all the pub, and rightfully so, for being you know, two of the best running backs in the country and in the SEC. But Jeremy Hill, I mean, getting off to a slow start because of his uh, you know, disciplinary reasons, but Jeremy Hill is head and shoulders. You know, he, it might not show it statistically because of what Mike Davis and Alex Collins are doing at South Carolina and Arkansas respectively, but give me one running back, and I'm taking Jeremy Hill. The guy's an absolute beast. 19 carries, 121 more yards, going over 100 yards again. He was the reason why LSU's offense was able to just salt away that clock, even though they didn't win time of possession and it didn't really show in points. But Jeremy Hill and that LSU offensive line, you know, there's not going to be any stats for that LSU offensive line, but the best performance of the season by far. Yeah, and – we talk. We talk again. Like you, you just touched on Hill and his individual performance. But go, going back to the overall team performance, Saturday's game and what what we're talking about right now is the perfect example of why if LSU runs the table the rest of the way, and if they keep playing like this, and especially against Alabama, they win out the SEC. This is a perfect example of why, especially in the voters' eyes, if it comes down to an undefeated Ohio State and Louisville team against this one-loss LSU team to get in the championship game, they're going to do everything in their power to put LSU in the championship game because of performances like this. Absolutely. And, you know, Jack, you know, it, it seems it's kind of like in vogue. It's almost becoming kind of cliche. You know, at first it was all the SEC love. SEC is great. SEC is the best. You know, they got, they got the best pros. They got the best coaches, best recruits. And now there's like the SEC backlash, you know, saying, "Oh, I don't know if the SEC is going to get a, a a representative in the BCS title game this year. I don't know." But you look at it, and you know, we're, we're playing the hypothetical game here. Obviously, Alabama is number one and undefeated. You know, they might be playing the best football right now, but they're the number one team. You know, and you know, until they lose, they're going to be the number one team. But you, know, you look at who LSU still has to play. You know, we'll talk about Ole Miss here in a minute, but. Texas A&M and uh, Alabama, obviously, on the schedule in November. If they beat those teams, obviously, it's an if-and-then situation. But you beat those two teams, you get in the SEC title game, maybe you're playing you know, a, a South Carolina, maybe Missouri. You know, If you're asking me today, I'm saying South Carolina. You run the table, and if LSU is not in the BCS championship game, there ought to be they, they just ought to cancel the game because who's going to want to see Oregon and Louisville or Oregon and Ohio State? I mean, it would be an absolute travesty mockery. It would just it would kind of almost be fitting or ironic. I don't know what the right term would be, but in the final of the year of the BCS, there's going to be some BCS madness this year. It's it's going to be an absolute train wreck. And if LSU does run the table, 
they absolutely deserve to be in the BCS title game. Oh, it's a, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, depending that I mean, some a scenario like that only counts. Uh, we can only really start looking at it after the Alabama game, depending what whatever the outcome is there. I mean, you, you could say LSU blows them out. Like say this Alabama, the way they they've been getting off to the slow starts. Let's say LSU puts together a perfect game like they did against Florida, and they beat Alabama by twenty. Then then LSU is going to be on the fast track to be that one last team in the title game. But then if you have another 9-6 outing, then it becomes kind of tough. Then then people are going to start to get worried about the Alabama-LSU rematch. Again, you know, should Oregon slip and should you know Clemson and Florida State slip? Then people are going to get worried about that. But we're, we're, we're definitely headed in this last year of the BCS. There's, there's going to be some kind of mess here I, that I think is just going to be unavoidable. But then you have to start, like like I said, you have to start using logic. It's just the way LSU played in that game is a perfect example of why they should get in above others, regardless of the record. Jack, you know what's going to be the absolute uh, perfect storm? It's when you know LSU beats Alabama, and then you know a couple weeks later, Texas A&M beats LSU. Then you got those three SEC West teams all with one loss. I mean, the, if you want to talk about hypothetical scenarios, that's about as messy and as crazy of a scenario as you could imagine. And then, you know, it's just BCS hell. Then we're going to have a Baylor-Louisville BCS championship game. And, you know, we're just it's just going to be a crazy, crazy mess. But, you know, that's something we could talk about in the weeks ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, there, there's going to be some un, undefeated teams that, that lose. We saw this this past weekend with, you know, I guess you could kind of call it upset Saturday, Stanford being – you know, the big team that lost to Utah, but uh, a couple other upsets along the way. But uh, now let's look at this week's game for LSU traveling to Oxford, Mississippi to take on the 3-3 three and three Ole Miss Rebels and Hugh Freeze, Ole Miss 3-3 three and three in the season, 1-3 in the SEC. Rebels started out 3-0, and had that big win, uh, you know, comeback win on uh, or at Vanderbilt that was on ESPN. We saw Jeff Scott with the big last-minute touchdown run. We saw the big win at Texas when Texas was just, you know, you know, it was, uh, you know, Armageddon for uh, for the Longhorns. But then, you know, the road game at Alabama, and then the the road game at Auburn, and then the heartbreaking loss for the second year in a row to Texas A&M, as the Aggies came away with the uh, the game winning field goal as time expired um, against Ole Miss. So this Ole Miss team is reeling, but they took LSU to the brink last year. LSU needed a, a touchdown run from Jeremy Hill with 15 seconds to go to come away with the win. This Ole Miss team is much better than it was last year, but this Ole Miss defense is banged up, or this Ole Miss defense is banged up, you know, all over. We already know Robert Kimdichie is not going to play the uh, the former number one overall recruit, so that's that's a tough blow for for Ole Miss. We're going to have to pay attention to this injury report that's coming out tomorrow or or, or and uh, and Friday, but. Jack, your initial impressions uh, with LSU traveling to Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss, they got a, they got a pretty good offense, and uh, I don't know. Do you agree with me or disagree with me here that the Ole Miss wide receivers with Dante Moncrief and Laquan Treadwell might be the best wide receiver duo that LSU has faced all season long? Yeah, they are, and. You know, all the hype aside, because there there was preseason, just like there is with anybody else. I mean, you you had some people possibly putting Ole Miss contending for the SEC West 
contended for the SEC, going to a BCS ball. But those of us that really looked at it, we knew that wasn't going to happen. Now, for sitting 3-3 three and three at this point, I'm not sure I predicted something like that. But here's the scary part about this game Saturday. You just alluded to the talent on Ole Miss, especially, you know, Treadwell, Moncrief. Ball Wallace has done a, he's done a passable job. He's had his moments, but he's done a passable job. But now you have Hugh Freeze and all of these kids in a position now where they have nothing to lose. Three and three, they're, they're going to make a ball game, in my opinion, but it's not going to be anything extravagant. So now when they match up against a team like LSU at home, they have nothing to lose. And that is a that's a dangerous mix, especially with the talent that Ole Miss has. They could very well, because as much as we gushed, just gushed about LSU's defensive performance last week, we also got to remember that's not going to happen every week. They they might come close, but some, that's not going to be a weekly occurrence. So if they have any kind of breakdowns, if John Chavis has any kind of breakdowns on his unit that Ole Miss can take advantage of, this could be a surprise, maybe even a situation where Ole Miss is up maybe in the third quarter on LSU and it becomes a game and LSU blows it out late, maybe by using Jeremy Hill to wear them down. Because I think, especially against, with, especially uh, Kimdichie gone, their, LSU's best bet, as good as Mettenberger has been, would be to use Jeremy Hill as much as they can to wear down the rest of that Ole Miss defensive line. I think you see him go for another 120, 130 yards, kind of wear them down, try to control the ball. Because the more chances they give Ole Miss to hurt them, the worse off they're going to be in the long run. Yeah, and you know, individually, LSU has seen some talented wide receivers. You know, just you know, you look at the season opener, Jordan Rogers or Jordan Matthews. I'm sorry, uh, with Vanderbilt in the season opener, he had a, a great game. Uh, Alabama, obviously, you know, going against Amari Cooper, even though Amari Cooper has been been hurt and banged up and, and not really having the kind of sophomore season that we had expected. And then Texas A&M, obviously Mike Evans, one of the best wide receivers in the country. But to have two of those, you know, they really haven't seen, you know, a dominant guy on both sides, you know, of the football field. So it's going to be interesting to see how the LSU secondary uh, defends them. Uh, the LSU secondary has played much better since that Georgia debacle, you know, for lack of a better term, whether it was just coverage breakdowns, communication breakdowns, really anything that could go wrong went wrong. But, uh, you know, this Ole Miss team, they could score some points. And, you know, they're going to score some points. They're averaging about 30 points per game, 29 uh, on the season. Um, so this team can score. But, you know, the expectations, sure, it, w- it was easy to get excited about this team if you're an Ole Miss fan or even if you're just, a, a, you know, an unbiased fan. You see what they did to close out the season last year. You read about the great recruiting class that comes in. But, but Jack, I mean – you. You know, five-star recruits and, you know, top five recruiting classes, not all of those guys are going to make immediate impacts as freshmen. Sure, you know, Treadwell and Kimdichie and Tony Connor and, and Evan Ingram are, are some of the guys that are making immediate impacts, but you're not going to win SEC titles and, and be in the top half in the SEC West playing a bunch of freshmen. And Hugh Freeze was even, you know, trying to uh, stem the uh, excitement level there, saying, hey, we, we don't have the kind of depth here right now that we need to compete uh, you know, with the likes of LSU and Alabama and Texas A&M. So when you start talking about the number of injuries that Ole Miss has, you know, that's really where that lack of depth is just going to come back to bite them. And that's ultimately why I think LSU, you know, to your point, you know, they're just going to keep that Ole Miss offense off the field. And it, you, you, you hit the nail on the head perfectly, Jack, when he said Bo Wallace, he's had his moments. He's done some good things. But, you know, Bo Wallace, he kind of reminds me of the NFL version of Rex Grossman here. Um, you know, when he was playing with the Bears, he would have, 
you know, outstanding games. He he threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. He he looked great. You know, hitting hitting the deep ball, hitting all the short and intermediate routes. And then the next week, you know, he's throwing three interceptions. He's completing 40 percent of his passes. He's got a quarterback rating that's you know 20. That's kind of what I'm looking at at Bo Wallace. And you know, when he's good, you know, he's pretty good. He's you know, you know, an above average SEC quarterback. But when he's bad, he is. Bad, and that's why we saw Barry Brunetti come in uh, in the second half last week in the in the in the loss against Texas A&M. He came in two touchdown drives, you know, on his two drives, and kind of gave that Ole Miss uh, offense a spark. But but now he's questionable for this game. It seems like you look up and down this Ole Miss roster, and they're they're key playmakers. A lot of these guys are injured. Jeff Scott, their leading rusher, he's questionable. He might not play. So I think this is really setting up favorably. For LSU to go into Vaught Hemingway Stadium on Saturday night at six o'clock, the game is going to be on ESPN two. I think this sets up real well for LSU to improve to seven and one on the season, pick up their fourth SEC win, and for Ole Miss, looks like they're going to lose their fourth straight game. Yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, like I said, we we're talking game plan because we, we said about Wallace being. You never know which one you're going to get, and it's a gamble. And Les, Les Miles, you know, he's the riverboat gambler. We all love him for that. But the gamble would be, like I said, if they were to come out and let Mettenbergers try to sling the ball around, the more I just – you have to ask yourself, if you want to give Bo Wallace and that offense that many chances to stay in the game, then you put not saying Bo Wallace is Aaron Murray by any means, but then you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to get into a shootout again. And like we said at, when we were reviewing the Georgia LSU game, a shootout can go either way. It doesn't matter whose defense is better. It doesn't matter what kind of, when you get yourself into a shootout like that, anything can happen. That's why I said keep Jeremy Hill on the ground as much as you can. Try to control the ball against that old Miss front four, which they, they they couldn't do LSU realistically, and they should walk away with this one easy. Yeah, and they should. I, I'm you know if Bo Wallace plays the game of his life, you know he you know <laughs> this is typical Bo Wallace. You look at last year's box score. The guy accounted for four touchdowns, you know, 350 total yards of offense. You know, he was the reason why Ole Miss was in that game late. But then he also had three turnovers, and he was the reason why, or one of the reasons why Ole Miss lost. You know, I wrote about it earlier this week on DeathValleyVoice.com, you know, looking at what Bo Wallace brings to the table. And, you know, that that's pretty much it right there. Bo Wallace is the reason why Ole Miss could make this a game or, or a potential upset in the making. But he's also the reason why LSU could go into the vault and you know win, you know, forty nine to fourteen and just be a complete blowout because he's you know he's throwing two and three interceptions. He's not you know getting rid of the ball quickly and he's taking sacks and that's 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 really going to be the big X factor and the biggest question mark that LSU has or that Ole Miss has going against LSU. But uh, you know the biggest question I have for LSU in this game is, or I guess maybe it's more of a challenge maybe. But the last five quarters, you know, going back to that fourth quarter against Mississippi State where they shut out the Bulldogs after they gave up 26 in the first three quarters. You know, they've only given up six points in the last five quarters. I want to see if this LSU defense is not just taking advantage of a, a lousy, downright awful Florida team and a Mississippi State team that just kind of got steamrolled offensively in the fourth quarter. They're juggling two quarterbacks, just kind of got out of rhythm and they really weren't able to run their offense. So I want to see if this LSU defense – you know, that front four especially can continue to get to the quarterback. Donnell Hunter, the reigning SEC defensive lineman of the week. We saw Kendall Beckwith, you know, the true freshman, come in, make a, a big impact at the end of the game. 
And then, uh, you know, Ego Ferguson or Ego well, Ferguson and uh, yeah, we, Anthony I mean, Johnson at the end of the game. I want to see if they can continue to play dominant, uh, you know, inside the trenches and win that game because that's, you know, ultimately to win SEC titles, it's all decided in the trenches. So that, that's my biggest challenge for LSU this week. Yeah, that's uh, like you said, like like we said, though, I, this old this old this team overall, I I just don't think they have enough. Not to beat the dead horse, but if, if if they can get themselves into a shootout situation, then yeah. But I, I just think Les Miles, J- Chavis, and the rest of the crew—they're smarter than that. They they know what they're doing, especially on the road in Bot Hemingway. Yeah, they know what they know what they're getting themselves into with this. Jack, here as uh, we finish up here the uh, the Death Valley Voice podcast here on DeathValleyVoice.com. Jack, give me a score, and uh, you know you already said LSU is going to win this one, but. Uh, no, just for laughs, why don't you give me a final score here for this game on Saturday night? This one, we'll, we'll go 31-24. I'll even keep it a little close. We'll go 31-24 maybe with in a late Ole Miss touchdown. 31-17 most of the way through the fourth, maybe a late touchdown by Bo and the boys, 31-24. All right, yeah, the spread right now, 7.5 to 8 points, depending on which site you look at. So you got them with a late cover, uh, or a, no, not a late cover, but yeah, you got uh, – Ole Miss uh, coming back to make it a look like a, a much closer game than it actually would be. Uh, obviously, you know, like we said, it, it's you know real dependent on uh, Bo Wallace and how many points Ole Miss will score with him on the field. I think the LSU offense scores much more points than they did last week against Florida, that great number one SEC ranked defense. I think we see more uh, along the offenses that we saw when they played, uh, you know, Mississippi State and Auburn and Georgia, and really all season long. I think they're going to get back. Into the uh, you know the the thirty eight to forty two point range, so I'm going to say LSU wins forty two to twenty eight. I think it's going to be a great game for about two and a half three quarters. But LSU, as they did against Mississippi State, you know, really as they did against Florida too, even though the score wasn't a blowout, I think they're really just going to control that game late. Jeremy Hill again going to be the player of the game, probably uh, you know one hundred and fifty yards is what I'm looking from Jeremy Hill. So I got LSU winning forty two to twenty eight, covering the spread. And that's going to be our Death Valley Voice podcast today. So thanks for listening to the Death Valley Voice podcast. Check back next Wednesday with Jack and myself for uh, the next edition of the Death Valley Voice podcast. 